You might be one of those, and I became one of those who who gets obnoxious with the back of my truck having several bumper stickers and fishes and doves and my t-shirts that proclaim messages on there. And so when I'm just driving around or walking around, I'm a living witness, but I can wear all those things and, and put all those things on everything that I own. If I don't live it and walk it, then I'm not glorifying God. Welcome to The Cleansing Word. We invite you to stay with us as Pastor John Pinnell of Calvary Chapel Lake Villa takes us through a verse-by-verse study from God's Word. Each Monday through Friday, we'll be airing messages to encourage you in your faith that you might grow in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I hope that you enjoy this broadcast, and I'll return at the close of this teaching to give you more information about our church and how you can obtain a copy of this message. Now here's Pastor John with today's message from God's Word. Actually, what we're going to see today is, is really two sides of a coin here, those who believe and those who don't believe. And so I just favor heads as being those who believe in the tales those who do not believe. And we're going to see both sides as Paul's going to go back and forth in 2 Thessalonians. And so let's go ahead and read through. We'll begin in verse 5. I've already read it once, but we'll repeat it. Go all the way through 12, get the context, and then come back and break it down. Which is manifest evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be counted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation, those who trouble you. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of our Lord and from the glory of his power. When he comes in that day, to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And Father, we ask through your Holy Spirit that you would open your word to us this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. In verse 8, with flaming fire taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Remember John the Baptist said that there is one coming after me who will baptize you with fire and the Holy Spirit. Now that fire there is thought of being two things in two ways. For the believer, I believe it's that purging. He purges our sin out. But 
flaming fire. It can also mean judgment. He's coming to baptize this world in flaming fire in judgment. But look who he's bringing this judgment upon in two different classes or groups that's mentioned here. Those who do not know God and those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Two different groups. Well, John, they kind of sound like the same to me. Well, no, there is a distinct difference. One, the first tells us that they simply don't know God, which might mean that they don't know who Jesus is. And so that could qualify that question that perhaps you have gotten, that I have gotten. Well, John, what about that guy in Africa or South America that's never heard about Jesus? What about him? Is God going to judge him and send him to hell? Again, we go back to God's characteristic. God is just. And so when God judges, he's going to judge in righteousness and true justice. But Paul gives us a clue about that guy or that woman that has never heard those who do not know God. He gives us a clue in Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through 20, where he speaks about creation, that even creation testifies of the wonder and power of God. That those who have never heard the gospel message of Jesus Christ can simply look at creation and see that there must be a God. And Paul tells us that they are without excuse, for therefore they're without excuse because they did not take the testimony of creation. And so this could be those who do not know God, never had the message of Jesus Christ preached to them. God is going to judge them. They're still without excuse, but he'll judge them in righteousness. The second group are those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These are those who've had the opportunity. They've heard the gospel message, but they've never responded to it. They've heard that Jesus came and died. They've heard that Jesus is coming and that hell awaits those who do not believe. But they said, you know, later, maybe later, but not now. Or they said, you know, I I don't buy that. That's not real. They told me in school that God's a lie and that we've been evolved from lower beings into what we are today. And, And I buy the evolutionary process. These are those who have not obeyed the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And so these are they who have heard the message and have rejected it. To them will come this flaming fire of vengeance. But we're in that day of grace right now where the Lord said, Jeremiah 29, 13, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. See, the Lord is not an evil, wicked God who's waiting to just wipe out the world. He is one who is saying, hey, search for me. And when you search for me and seek me, you will find me. Isaiah 55, 6 says, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord and he may have mercy on him and to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. God is willing to pardon. He's willing to offer grace during this time. But we have to believe. Well, right now, if you've heard this, then you fall into that second category of those who are going to be judged. Those who do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you've heard it and not responded positively to the message of Jesus Christ, you come into what I believe will be a greater judgment. Judgment is coming, but God is just. So the judgment will be based upon the knowledge that we have. Notice in verse 9, 
These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of our Lord and from the glory of His power. The punishment is everlasting destruction. It's not just for a little while. It's not purgatory and you're going to work your way out. Or someone here on earth is going to pray you out or offer enough gifts and sacrifices that they'll get you out. You're on your own. You're on your own once you decide not to follow Jesus and once you die in the flesh. You are on your own. Look at it. It's how it reads. It's everlasting destruction, but it's also from the presence of the Lord. It's also from the glory of his power. And so you're for eternity being separated from the presence or literally face of God. We have this opportunity right now. Scripture tells us no man can see the face of God and live. But through faith in Jesus Christ, one day as believers, when this flesh is destroyed, when this this mortal flesh puts on immortality, this corruption puts on incorruption, we will see our Lord face to face just as we see one another here today. It's going to be a marvelous and wonderful day, as we'll see in a moment. Daniel wrote to us in Daniel 12:2, And many of those who sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Reading from the Bible Knowledge Commentary, they had this to say about this verse. The punishment of the wicked will be neither temporary, nor will it be annihilation, but it will continue throughout eternity. And those being punished will be conscious. It will be eternal death as opposed to eternal life. And it's from the face, the presence of the Lord, totally separated, unable to get into the presence of God. We have this story of Jesus, of Lazarus and the rich man, and, and this picture of what we believe of paradise Jesus said to the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise or Hades to where prior to Jesus's sacrifice, there was two fixed locations. The just would go to one location. The unjust would go to another, both called Hades, by the way, the Buso. But there was a great gulf fixed between them. They couldn't go up into heaven. It's not to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord because the Lord hadn't offered his sacrifice yet. Scripture tells us that the Lord descended first before he resurrected and ascended. He first descended, preached the gospel of his message, setting the captives free. And so there is this thought of Jesus during those three days in the grave. He was busy. He was in, the, in hell preaching the gospel message, saying, I am whom you have believed and look forward to. I have come. I've offered the sacrifice. Come and follow me. It talks about a great train that he led out, setting the captives free. And so... Now, many believe, and I along with them, that the, what we would deem the good side, the believer's side of this place, is empty. God has already emptied it out. Now we die. It's to be absent from the body. It's to be present with the Lord. But in that story of Lazarus and the rich man, Lazarus being the believer who was poor and destitute, who sat at the gate of the rich man who ended up in hell, they both died around the same time. But it tells us that this man could look across and could see. And what we get from that story is this man said, send someone back. He wanted to send Lazarus back. Abraham ultimately said, look, they have the prophets. They have the preachers. If they don't hear them, they're not going to hear someone who has come from the dead. But he was in torment. And the story that we get from this man is, I have family members, seven brothers, and I don't want them here. 
totally separated from the presence of God, but also it says from the glory of his power. Now, Romans tells us in Romans chapter one that the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God unto salvation to those who believe. And so they're separated from the glory of his power. No opportunity. No purgatory. No, well, I'm just going to do a thousand years and eventually I'll get out. Who would want to anyways? One day, the rich man, he was barely doing time as we read the story. It seems that they both died and, and the Lord has given us a glimpse of hell or perhaps paradise it's a mystery, some of that, but it gives us a glimpse what immediately took place after it. And he was saying, my brothers are still alive and I don't want them here. But for us, verse 10, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. Again, the other side, the right side of the coin, we could say, for those of us who believe, Jesus will be glorified in his saints. It's the prayer that the Lord had for us prior to going to the cross. He said in John 17, 10, All mine are yours, Father. Yours are mine, and I am glorified in them. It was his prayer that we would be glorified in the Father and he in us and in Christ as he interplayed those words. Paul in Galatians 1, he said, I was unknown by the face of the churches of Judea, which were in Christ, but they only hearing he who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy and they glorified God in me. How is God glorified in you? It's by allowing God to work through you. Paul is saying suddenly the churches in Judea hear me preaching the faith in Jesus Christ and they didn't glorify Paul. They glorified God because of what God had done in Paul's life through Jesus Christ. So he's coming to be glorified in his saints. The day of the Lord speaks about the beginning of the millennial reign of Christ, where scripture tells us he will set up and rule and reign for 1,000 years upon this earth. And he's coming with his saints, with his mighty angels, but we will be there with him. And during that time, scripture tells us that we will rule and reign with Christ. There will be unbelievers on the earth at that time that will be birthed in during those thousand years. And he's glorified in us, meaning that the glory of the Lord Jesus will be mirrored in our lives during that time. They'll mark us. They'll know us as believers. But we don't have to wait till the millennial reign to have the mirrored image of Christ being reflected in our lives to others. We can do that right now in how you live and how you talk, and how you walk on this earth. You might be one of those, and I became one of those who who gets obnoxious with the back of my truck having several bumper stickers and fishes and doves and my t-shirts that proclaim messages on there. And so when I'm just driving around or walking around, I'm a living witness, but I can wear all those things and, and put all those things on everything that I own. If I don't live it and walk it, then I'm not glorifying God. It's talking about our true walk with him that he is glorified in us and we are glorified in him. But also to be admired among all those who believe. For Now we look forward to that day, but one day we'll see the Lord face to face. Scripture tells us no man can see the face of God and live. But one day we'll be able to see the very face of Jesus. And we will 
admire our Lord. It will be something that we can't get enough of. Lily and I, this coming April, not being married, but we started dating on her birthday this coming April. And I still look at my bride and I think, man, I am so fortunate. I still can't get enough of my bride. I love her looks. I love what she looks like. I still admire her. And I think she does me. She tells me she does. (laughs) But that's just, I think, a little glimpse. We're going to see Jesus. And for all eternity, we'll never get enough discovering the wonders of his love. Paul said, because our testimony among you was believed. Paul wrote to us in Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so he preached the word of God. They believed. Now they're going to come into this wonderful place. People are still preaching the word of God. And we have believed as a result of that. And one day, the right side of the coin, all these things are ours. Verse 11 and 12, it says, therefore, we also pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasures of his goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Once again, he says, we pray always. Paul was a prayer warrior. Right now, this week, I had Tina begin to compile a list of every church member. If you want to turn it into an address book, you can do that. But I'm just giving you their names and the children's names. And if the first list comes out and you need to help us make corrections, please do. But the purpose of this is that you'll have in hand the list we'll provide for you. And and you can just go through it and take five names a day or whatever it is or a week, but begin to pray. That we can be a church that prays always also. I think that's one of the greatest things that I've been learning because I think it's probably one of the greatest needs that I have is a more effective prayer life. I'm always striving to to better myself in my fellowship through prayer. And I want to see us as a fellowship do this also. How can we better pray for one another? Well, first of all, by knowing each other's names might be helpful, huh? Paul prayed for them always, he said, that they would be worthy of this calling. So he's wanting to see the church in Thessalonica enter into all these positive things, not the negative, not the tail side of the coin, but the positive that we have been looking at. To walk worthy of the call of God is what he was praying for them, that they would be counted worthy. It's what the Lord told us in, in reference to that day in Luke 21, 34. He says, but take heed to yourselves, lest your heart be weighed down with carousing, with drunkenness, with the cares of this life. And that day come upon you unexpectedly. For it will come as a snare on all those who dwell on the face of the earth. Watch, therefore, and pray always that you may be counted worthy to escape. There's a coming day. Our prayer is to Lord, help us escape that day. The escape route is through Jesus Christ. If you've accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you've already made that plan. You have in buildings now you'll You'll see escape routes. If there's a fire, they'll show you the quickest exit. But in that, there could be many exits, couldn't there? But not with Jesus. Just one way. It's only through Jesus. That God would fulfill his good pleasure of the goodness and the work of faith with power. 
Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. God wants to fulfill. He wants to complete the work that he's begun. Now, ultimately, that completion is when we are seeing him face to face. But ever since I became a believer, God's been working on this flesh. He's been helping me. I'm glad because flesh is getting worse as the years go by as far as physical body. But he's been helping spiritually. I know you guys heard this testimony if you've been around here enough, but when my dad was either 35 or 36, he, he faced open heart surgery back when I was just a little young boy of five, six, or seven. I can't recall the exact year at this time. That was in the pioneer days. Dad was gone for six months down in Chicago at a hospital. And so one night I went to bed. The next day, Dad was gone. He had a stroke during the night, and he ended up first in Waukegan at the hospital there, ultimately in Chicago, waiting for this pioneer heart surgery. Six months he waited there, and some of the difficulty was um, his blood type. He was O negative. O negative is good for everybody. And they prepped him twice. This had to be horrible, but I wonder if God was waiting for something from my dad. Twice they prepped him for surgery, and twice they said there was a major accident. We had to use your blood for someone else, so you'll have to wait. And so the blood, again, um, O negative is good for anybody, but you got to get O negative back in you. And so he waited. But prior to that surgery, Dad prayed and said, Lord, if you make me as good a man as I am today, after the surgery, I'll serve you. Now, two years later, Dad looked in the mirror and saw a scar that began here and ended here. Rather thick scar. It was raised and never went down, never flushed out. It was at least a quarter inch high, some three-eighths inch wide at times. And he looked that morning as he was shaving and he saw Noah's rainbow to him. And God said, I've kept my word, now you keep yours. And that Sunday morning, he surrendered his life to preach the gospel and became a pastor in the church in Zion there for 12 years. Ultimately, they're serving for 12 years. And the Lord took him home when he was 56 years old. The story I want to get to is what dad said 20, 21 years later. He would tell this story and said, I asked the Lord to make me as good as man. Physically, he wasn't. He was limited on what he could pick up. His health was going in a big way. Even a day like this, my dad would have to even cover his face when he went outside to breathe because it would just, the, you know, the wind would take his breath away. And so physically, I was watching him deteriorate, watching him physically get weaker and weaker. But dad would testify and said, God made me a better man. And he was talking about the spiritual side of things. It wasn't the physical. I think initially it was the physical he was praying for. But at the end of it all, he said, God made me a better man. And God can do that for you and for me. That the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in him. That was the prayer the Lord Jesus prayed there in John 17, 22. And the glory which you gave me, I have given to them. God wants to show himself strong, and it's through his grace, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember grace, God's riches at Christ's expense. It's all because of Jesus. It's all what he has done, and it's our faith in that that sets us free. Father, thank you for your word. We look forward to that coming day. As believers, Lord, we look forward to it because we'll be coming with you. We'll be seeing you face to face. We'll be admiring you for all eternity. It's glorious. It's going to be wonderful. 
There are many who won't look forward to that coming day, Lord. They try to ignore it now, rejecting even the possibility that that day could exist. But your scripture tells us of that coming day. And until that day, all we know, Lord, is that your mercy abounds toward us, not willing that any should suffer, but all should come to repentance. So until that day, Lord, there's opportunity for those who don't know you to be saved. I pray, Lord, that perhaps this day will be that day for one or two here in this place, that if they've never turned their heart over to you, that this would be the day that they give their heart to you, wholly and totally, because you have given all to them. And Lord, for those of us who believe, may we continue to just commit our lives wholly over to you, to give all that we have. For once again, Lord, you gave all that you had there on the cross. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you've never prayed to receive Christ as your Savior and would like to do that and just ask the Lord to forgive you and to cleanse you and to do all that he's promised to do, to receive him in faith, and you will be saved. If the Lord desires to do a work in your heart, let him do that today. I know how it is. I know how we can grab the back of the pew and just hang on there. Just let go and let God do a work he desires to do for you. Let's stand together as we close out. Calvary Chapel is a fellowship of believers in the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Our greatest desire is to know Christ and to be conformed into His image by the power of His Holy Spirit. If you would like more information about Calvary Chapel, or if you would like a copy of today's message, please contact us at 847-265-0646. That's 847-265-0646. Thank you so much for joining us today, and may the Lord richly bless you as you worship Him today. Thank you.